Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And I'm here as always with my friend and my colleague and my co-host, Ross Ferguson. How yeah. you been, man? Well, being well, but why I do mean, we do this at 7 in the morning well, every time? Well, we're doing this at 7 because we have chapel at 10. Yeah. And uh, we want to make sure we get everything out of the way. I left the house at 6.30 this morning and one of the kids were up. They're not normally up till about 7. And she came up to me and just went, Daddy, I love you so, so, so much. And I'm thinking, mm. why am I leaving the house oh. at 6.30? <laughs> well, you want to call it quits? We'll just finish the... Sure, As always, dear it. listener, if you enjoy the podcast, <laughs> please give us a good review on Apple. It was just one of those moments. Do you know when you want to get out of the house fast? It's the time when your kids are really slow to get out of the house. And when you want to get out, like, just take it easy. Yeah. They're up at four in the morning. Yeah. This morning was one of those mornings. Like, the last two days, we've had to wake up our girls because they've been kind of really tired in the morning. Yeah. And, of course, this is the morning where I just want to slip out quietly, you know, leave everyone sleeping, and bang, everyone's waking. <laughs> like, <laughs> go back to bed. I love you too. Bye. Um, yeah. yeah. Did, do you think, like, did you wake them up? I, getting ready? So Miriam always says that when I get up and leave early, I try to be really quiet. She yeah. thinks I'm an elephant through the house. Oh, and wow. she, she, there's always words <laughs> shared along the lines of, could you be any quieter? Mm. And and I think I'm being really quiet, yeah. you know, but... We're uncovering something here. Yeah. To be fair, I am known for, you know, jumping out of bed and then tripping over the bedpost and falling <laughs> over the door and accidentally dropping the toothbrush. It's a very clatter. strategic thing. I do the same thing. Like, I'll leave for work sometimes, you know, pretty early and, and Beck will still be in bed. And, like, the strategic thing of, like, turning the lights on that you need, yeah. but then, like, turning them off. Like, yeah. I don't want to leave them on. So... But then, like having to get across the room in the dark, it's in the dark. <laughs> that can be tricky. It could be a mind. The last one. Do you know? I think it was when I was taking you to the airport. Okay. I forgot. So I, I tend to put my clothes in a pile outside the door, so I can just get up, go out, and then you know Miriam can continue to sleep. I forgot to put socks in the pile. So okay. then I had to come back in and then our cupboard door creaks and I had to kind of like open it, get socks. And Mary's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, just getting some socks. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm just <laughs> rifling through the, the drawers. Of course, with yeah. like my, my, uh, my light on my phone trying to, you know, it's suddenly uh, not that actually bright. And you're like, what is that? Is that a pair of socks? I think it's a pair of socks. It's <laughs> like, what are you doing? Oh, uh, man. So yes, we're, we're doing well. Just okay. uh, first thing in the morning is always a little bit rough um, yeah. in our house. No, we... um. We've started the semester. Semester's going well. It's it's hard. We're we're kind of we've we've had uh, tough seasons of semesters as just like hard, heavy reading classes. Uh, Miriam's got one of those again. Uh, mine's are a little bit lighter, but that just means the balancing act of of family studies work, mm-hmm. um, which I think for every family member listening, it, it's just everyone goes through the same thing of learning how to balance. You know, how many hours can I actually dedicate to this? Yeah. And um, yesterday I actually took the afternoon off work to do my reading for your class. Okay. Which I was I was reading Augustine's conversion story, which is quite intense. Yeah. Uh, you know, my will, not my will, mm. half my will, all my will. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know which will we're talking about. <laughs> well, we'll hash it out in discussion. Yeah. Uh, but no, it was good reading. Good yeah. Reading. Good deal. I've got a beef. Okay. It's been a little while. It's been a while. It's been a while. Can I, before you go in, has it got anything to do with an airline again? Okay. (laughs) It's a rerun. It's a beef rerun. Uh, But I'm going to not say the name. (laughs) It's the airline that we had to bleep out the last time I beefed about them. I asked our our producers to uh, 
engineers to bleep out the name because I wasn't <laughs> sure about the legality of complaining about a major company. If you follow Jared on Twitter, you'll know exactly. You'll who know he's exactly about. if you follow me. I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. As a as a Midwestern podcast, I'm uh, unsure about naming the airline. <laughs> so Becky arranged some flights for herself, mm-hmm. and and she knew. I mean, she's saying now, like I I knew better than to do this. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know why it was just they were cheap flights and they worked through the yeah. time that she needed and. So she's going out of town this weekend, and she scheduled uh, a flight to come back before the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. This will tell you what time we're recording this this podcast. She's going to return back in time to be able to watch this, you know, Kansas City in the Super Bowl yeah. on, on Sunday. Well, like three days ahead or four days ahead, they just cancel that flight. So this isn't like a delay or anything. Mm-hmm. They just decided, like, no, oh, we're not going to have that flight and put her on a flight that gets back like mm-hmm. four hours like during this, it flies during the Super Bowl and lands four hours after the Super Bowl. And trying to get them to explain, to change her back to something, to, yeah. I mean, it's just a nightmare. And the whole time we just thought, this is like, this is the reason. How many last straws yeah. does this airline need? Yeah. They are the absolute worst. And here's the thing is, the pair of you keep booking with them. That's part <laughs> of the issue here. Well, because you had a, it an issue my, a few it, weeks it, ago yes. as well. Yeah, and that was like I had to go to this little air, airport in this little regional airport, and there were like literally two airlines that go there. I didn't have a lot of options. And you and, chose the wrong and one. And this one <laughs> was the only one that got me in at the time I needed to get there. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, got to roll the dice. So sometimes yeah. you just, I guess, don't and you have rolled a it, and it did not go. It well. did not go well. I knew. I mean, it's just I, I knew while I'm doing it. It wasn't me thinking, oh, maybe this time. I was just thinking they're going to mess right. something up somehow. And it, <laughs> it really went and they did. It was terrible. I won't go into uh, all of that. But anyway. Do, do you know, the, the last time I got on flights, because we, we went over a new year to the UK, every family member that's come here to visit us, every single one has had flights canceled, flights mm-hmm. delayed, something go wrong. We had absolutely perfect flights. Everything ran perfectly on time. Nice. No bags lost. You know, really comfortable. I was able to watch Equalizer 3 on, on the flight. <laughs> it's a good flight. It's good. It's good. I made sure the kids were a little bit further down the plane. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we didn't fly for two years, so yeah. I don't know. Maybe we were just excited to fly again. But <laughs> Maybe so. Uh, but yeah, everything was perfect. So I can, if, if you want, I can share you some airline tips just okay, to yeah. st- avoid booking. Well, I, I'm flying this weekend also myself okay. on a separate itinerary, but I'm not going with this particular airline. Okay. Yeah, I, I knew better. It's like a race for the airlines. Come on, airlines, just just get Jared and Becky to where they need to be on time. Yeah, that's right. Or maybe I'm just being narcissistic. Maybe you are. <laughs> <laughs> How would I know? Uh, we're talking about narcissism in the church today, and I thought it might be good to at least begin with like a definition yeah. so we kind of know what we're talking about. A narcissist this is something I, I pulled off the internet, which is very reliable of course. for, you know, having correct information. A narcissist is someone with a pattern for grandiosity, mm-hmm. need for admiration, and a lack of empathy. Mm-hmm. That sounds That's a, a right. yeah, that sounds about right. I I've got that it can often be seen in a desire to claim all successes and yeah. blame shift for all failures. Oh yeah, that's good. Um, so it's it's it basically it's all about them and it's all about how amazing they are. And it's all about how awful other people are. It's the it's the increasing of oneself mm. and the decreasing of others. Do you think that's always the, so? Would we distinguish between a narcissist and someone who's just really self-involved? 
Yeah, I, I think or self-centered. Yeah, I think selfishness is or, or self-centered is like the the, the lower form. Narcissism is like the peak of it. Okay, uh, and I think it also includes some level of power because I think I think you can be selfish, self-absorbed, self-thinking all the time, but you're not necessarily seeking power. Where I feel like the narcissist is always seeking, you know, one up, okay, uh, one up rule, one up kind of authority, uh, and they want to be on top. Where you can be selfish and not necessarily desire to be on top. Yeah, because I mean, I, I just was immediately thinking about man, we, you know, you encounter, and sometimes I don't want to say you. Sometimes I am the person who. In conversations, just talking about myself the whole time and, you know, can be very self-centered in that regard. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily interested in the other person or I'm not showing interest in that other person. Mm-hmm. But I don't, but the credit blame, yeah. wanting other people to, to, to be put down, like, that, no, that, that's yeah. not in play. It's just I'm very preoccupied with myself in that yeah. moment or I'm yeah. very self-involved in that moment. I don't know if that rises to the level of yeah. kind of the malignant narcissist. I think the word that comes to my mind is entitlement. Okay. Uh, so you feel entitled to admiration, to power, to yeah. influence, to this, you know, claiming the success where someone that is self-focused doesn't necessarily have that entitlement thing, you know. So I, I think narcissism is it's like pushing the, the selfishness right to the, the very top yeah. and then adding in other things, power, admiration, you know, entitlement, add those things to selfishness and, and what you'll get is narcissism. Yeah, so, so I think, where this is real, I mean, obviously you can have, you know, narcissists at any level of church life, but in particular when it, when they find themselves in leadership yeah. positions, positions of influence, let's talk about that for a moment. How would mm. you know, like, what are some signs of someone who is showing these sort of narcissistic personality traits yep. in, in leadership? You mentioned, uh, you know, I wrote down that they're a glory hog. Yeah. I was, so you mentioned sort of like the, that's what I was going to say. Trying is, to take credit for everything. Yep. I wrote down. Not necessarily that they're upset if someone else succeeds, but they're or they don't want the other person, but they're jealous of that. Mm-hmm. They're jealous of if they can't take credit yep. for something. Yep. You know. I think truth is also one of those things that that can be twisted a lot by narcissists. So um where a fact would make you look good, the narcissist will want to elevate that. Mm. And where the fact might make them not look good, they'll want to twist that, maybe to show themselves as the victim. You know, that that's not exactly true. So what I was thinking is just enough truth to make them look good, but not the whole truth to to display their feelings. And so it's kind of twisted, you know, you can be narcissistic and not actually claim power. You can be narcissistic by saying, I'm the victim at all times. Everyone okay. else is 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 the problem and, and they're causing me this. That you know, my behavior occurs because of them. And I was just thinking, you know, I I've seen a church leader do that. I, I've, I've physically watched a church leader go into a room who was clearly to blame for the, the situation and, and come out actually almost being hailed the victim of, you know, good on you for trying and keep wow. going. And that's the, that's the narcissistic behavior of being able to twist things so that they come out on top. Even if that means showing themselves as a victim, it still means they come out on top in terms yeah. of people's view. But the glory thing, I think that's, that's one of the key things and not necessarily shifting the glory from another to themselves, but clearly shifting the glory from God to themselves. They become the mini gods. They they are the ones yeah. that, you know, if I wasn't here, this would fail. If I wasn't the one giving, this church would close. You know, it's the actually, well, God's getting the glory. God gets to to run the church, do the things in the church and and, and supply the church. But this person has placed themselves. Um 
And a good biblical example of that, I think, is Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. Just that that how much he wanted the glory, how important he thought he was. And then God humbled him pretty quick in a pretty severe way. Uh, and it's just that reminder of God's the one that gets the glory and narcissists don't. But they'll try. They'll definitely yeah, we, try. We're talking a lot about this these days because of some high profile leader falls and collapses mm. and those sorts of things. And and I think, you know, obviously the rise in sort of familiarity with kind of, you know, I want to call it psychobabble, but like, yeah. you, know, psycholo- you know, psychological jargon has sort of combined our consideration of like narcissistic personality disorder or something like that in, into the uh, evangelical sphere. But you, you know, when you mentioned sort of like someone at the table, you know, having to take, you know, the credit for everything yeah. or this is, this would happen if it weren't for me or whatever, you know, I think of. Um, you know, the uh, uh, reported example of, you know, one minister in particular at the table of, for marketing of his church saying, I'm the brand, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like that, you know, the rest of us hear that and just like, ooh, like yeah. how could that even come out of somebody's mouth that they would say like, I'm the brand, yeah. I'm the product, I'm the person that you should be trying to market, mm-hmm. not some kind of, you know, theme or series or yeah. whatever. It's, it's, it's me. I'm the thing, you know, yeah. I'm the upfront. Um, that's obviously like an extreme example. Yeah. And I think we could both tell some stories about guys we've encountered yeah. in lead roles yeah. who, or just in leadership positions who would show traits like mm-hmm. this. How, how would we see it sort of playing out? You know, I, I was even thinking of, of the example of like from the pulpit, mm-hmm. the person who every self-referential story they tell, yeah. or, they're all, or their stories are becoming increasingly self-referential. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, in illustrations and their sermons and things, but their self-referential stories typically put them as the yep. hero. They always look good at they the end of the They figured it out. They saved yeah. the day. They did something great. Yeah. Or even if it's, you know, it's something funny they did. It's just they're kind of the star yeah. of the stories that they tell. And do and you know what's interesting? In pastoral ministry, the stories of personal success are so few. Mm. I, I feel like pastoral ministry often is just working through the mess with people's lives and helping them and, and then dealing with your own mess as well. So to to have a sermon that is just full, chock full of your success stories, it, it's just simply not true in most cases. But in terms of what it would look like, I, I just thought of a verse. I think the verse actually sums up really well in terms of what you'll see. 2 Timothy 3, uh, 1 and 2 says, but mark this, there'll be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive. I think those are the things you'll see in a sermon from a narcissist. Mm-hmm. Uh, pride, uh, abusive even in tone, you know, a, a telling off tone, a, a chastisement tone, yeah. uh, an elevation of themselves. They love themselves. And ultimately money will often play a part in the narcissist. It's I deserve more. I deserve this money. I made money for this church. I give money. It's, it's you know, the brand is me. If you take me out, it's all going to collapse. And you're going to hear that in a sermon that the gospel is is pushed down into this kind of small little box of, you know, I do a gospel presentation, but but what comes out massive is is themselves. And usually for me, it's a disorganized sermon. It's a sermon that's on a how-to. You know, I gain success, you should follow my lead. Yeah. You know, it's it's a it's not a sermon. It's it's a moment of boasting with a, you know, just enough Bible in there that makes it sound good. <laughs> Do you know? Because yeah. a narcissist is usually clever. Yeah. They're 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 clever at working themselves to the top. 
And they know they can't just dump the Bible. They can't just dump the gospel. They, they have to have enough there to have that, that kind of authority to be able to be at the top. Yeah. I wrote down some implications or, or, or ramifications. What happens when there's a narcissist in a place of influence or place of leadership? And you kind of touched on one. I, I think increasingly it's, it's, it's harder and harder for a narcissist not to become a bully mm. because they need to be in control. They need to be in charge or they, or, or, you know, not just in charge, but they need to have sort of fealty to themselves or mm. sort of, you know, have people on short leashes or, you know, to serve them and that sort of thing or to kind of revolve mm-hmm. around them. And when people seem to like they're straying from that yeah. or have their own ideas or maybe take some credit for something or what have you, increasingly you have to kind of steamroll them or mm-hmm. kind of overpower them, put them in their place. Yeah. You know, I think of, you know, the person who's like, I've, I've got to make sure they know I'm in charge. Yeah. That they know that I'm the one who's at the at the top here. And so in in the church, you see narcissism go hand in hand with disqualifying, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, characteristics like being domineering or being uh, short-tempered, right? So when you're your own God or you're the center of your universe and you discover people are violating <laughs> your centrality, um, what do you do? You have to respond in wrath. You have yeah. to bring judgment down upon them. And that's, you know, the function of being your own God. So, I, you know, I wrote yeah. down you know, that they become bullies. They run people over, even if it's not necessarily verbally, like I'm tearing somebody up because they're not, you know, properly or, you know, orbiting around me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just run them down with criticism yeah. or I'll run them down with lots of tasks. I'm going to keep a lot of things on them. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that is my control issue. Part of that is to make sure that they feel the burden of me being on top, you know, that sort of thing. And it can be a a silent response as well. So I actually served in a situation where when one of the elders disagreed with you, he just stopped talking. (laughs) And and I mean, it would go days where you wouldn't wouldn't have any, you know, conversation with them. And that was a narcissistic behavior. I Mm. will put you where I will decide. And it's that control of you have to go my way or we're just not going to talk anymore. And and these narcissistic behaviors, I think, are really well displayed in Ezekiel 34. I'm thinking of the shepherds that, that put themselves first. Right. And God's response to the shepherds is, you know, I see you, you feed yourselves first, you clothe yourself first. It's all about you being first. And the sheep are, are going without care. That That is the narcissistic pastor. That is the narcissistic church leader. It, it's themselves first. Um, it, it's really difficult, though, I think, sometimes for church members to spot it. And, I, and I'm not necessarily saying, because we're making it sound really simple. These behaviors are there. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think it can often be disguised. And again, just enough spirituality, just enough Bible to, to, to make it look good. But I think it's all often as well hidden behind success. So the, the church ultimately wants the church to grow. It wants more numbers, more salvations, more baptisms, a, a good healthy budget. You know, how many of us would hail the pastor that the budget is always behind, numbers are dwindling, no baptisms. Do you know, it? success kind of hides the narcissism and you only start seeing it in background rooms. And that's when you start hearing little stories of people going, oh, I left that church. I was five years as a deacon. Oh, it was hard to serve with them because it doesn't come out to the front because the narcissist will protect that information. It's like, you, you know, you, you can't let this out because the church is growing. You can't be the one that would, you know, cause a story to come out and cause the church to shrink. 
you know, it can't be that bad, money's coming in. So I think success can sometimes hide the narcissist really well. Yeah. And the church can... Why do we like narcissists? Because when I say we, I mean, I feel like evangelicals, we, we like them. We keep putting them in positions of power. We keep sort of yeah. like going, okay, and like overlooking the warning signs I don't and think... dismissing them. Narcissists rise to the top yeah. in, in a lot of organizations. I don't think we like the narcissist. I think we like the success that can often come with them. So so here, here's something that I, I asked somebody recently. Imagine if you had a resume come across your table for a lead pastor role and the first line said, pastoral visitation is my passion. It's where I believe, you know, we're going to serve the church well. You know, I want to love the church, be with the church. How high up would they be in terms of your interview process? And the the church was just really honest and said, probably not that high up. Mm. We're looking for a leader. We're looking for a preacher. We're looking for someone that's dynamic. And I was sitting there going, see, here's here's where narcissism becomes a problem. <laughs> because you, you're actually saying, we don't want the shepherd. Yeah. We want the ministry leader that will make great success of this church. Yeah. So I don't think it's the fact that we love the narcissist. I think we love what we deem as success, okay. which is numbers, money, building, mission strips, baptism numbers. You know, it's it's, it's numerical. Yeah. And you go to the person that you think is going to get you those numbers, which is often the popular guy that struggles with it all going to his head. Well, I wonder about, and maybe this is the answer to that too, but like a social media, the social media influencer mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah. And it, it, it just seems so patently obvious to me. Like if, you know, you see someone's feed and like every photo is themselves. Yeah. <laughs> either a video of them talking into a camera or just yeah. a selfie of some kind, or it's them with, you know, look at the, you know, what I've got, yeah. you know, today, or look where I get to go today. Yeah. And everything is like, I don't know. It seems obvious to me, like this is a narcissist, yeah. like their entire, what they're promoting is themselves. Yeah. And every single entry is about, you know, some indulgence or something. Yeah. And, they have like millions of followers mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, what is it that people are getting out of this? Why do we yeah. like narcissism? And maybe it's, oh, we perceive that as success. And so we just like success. But I also think it's because we're kind of narcissistic. Yeah. We want to ride on those coattails. Th- those person becomes a projection yep. of ourselves. Like we want to image project of sort mm-hmm. of like, we're somewhat envious yeah. maybe. Yeah. I mean, know? definitely. I, one of the things I think within church ministry and and this was a big thing in the UK I don't know if it's still a big thing now but go back 10 years 15 years when I started out in ministry the big thing was to to follow watch link in with the the lead preachers online and if you could be followed by them if you could have some form of connection with them <laughs> you know that was a big deal I, I don't yeah. know if if you find this and I'm, I'm not kind of picking on on, on you but um, you know, people that will just go, that are desperate to be close to somebody that they perceive as being a big deal, uh, uh, perceive mm. as being a big name. And in a seminary setting like this, we have a, a lot of professors, a lot of professors that write, a lot of professors that travel. And there's this idea of these young people kind of, um, envious is the wrong word. What's the word I'm looking for? Like they, they put these people on pedestals and they just want to be as close as they possibly can because maybe by osmosis, some of that success would come onto them. And it's that riding on the coattails off. If I can, if I can be in their inner circle, and there's a, a famous, infamous pastor now who's like, he has cir- rings of his circle. You know, the closer you are, the more access you get, the more access you get, the more <laughs> yeah. successful you are. Yeah. Um, 
And and just to be clear, I think this is the same as the I'm the brand guy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> None of this is pastoral ministry. Right. None of it. Um, I, I keep thinking uh, John three thirty. He must increase. I must, must decrease. decrease. Yeah. The pastoral ministry is is getting rid of our name and and making much of the name of Christ. And that applies to social media, to the sermon, to behaviors. Which again means when we're looking for a pastor, looking for an elder, we should care about their following online we should care about what they're showing not because of the success that might that might pro- provide but the potential damage it will have for the you know he must yeah. increase i must decrease we have no biblical example of giftedness or success being prioritized yeah. over character yeah. and godliness and maturity and in fact we have plenty of biblical examples of um the opposite being mm-hmm. the case or when someone's gifts or success are are prioritized, that being a disaster, yeah. that that leading to moral failure, and we have plenty of examples of that in our own life, and yet we continue to invest yeah. in this thing. I just think, like as a warning sign for those who I think should feel chastened in some ways. You know, maybe you're not a narcissist, uh, clinically speaking, or whatever, but just like your self involvement, self centrality, all of us need to kind of be on guard against that, mm-hmm. because over time you actually end up at cross purposes with with what you really want. If you yeah. want influence, if you want, in a sense, the right kind of power, this is a great way to lose it. It, yeah. it may be a great way to get it in the short term or to feel powerful, mm. but in the long term, people feel used. They feel yeah. sort of chewed up and spit out. They feel like, oh, there's no, you know, there's no means of growth here because everything has to be in service of this person yeah. and everything revolves around them. And um, eventually people, you know, get wise to that yeah. and they... You know, and so you'll you end up losing, you know, any kind of you know in, influence or, or leadership position, you know, that you think you have. Romans twelve three says, "Not I, I say to everyone, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, yeah. <laughs> but to think with sober judgment." In my experience, self involved um, self involved people are rarely self aware. They they think about themselves a lot, mm-hmm. but they're not self aware about how yep. they're coming across. We, even with all the signs, to me, the classic narcissistic sign is. There's a there's a trail of bodies behind them. They they, they see the wreckage around them. Yeah. Maybe in their you know in their ministry, they're just going through people constantly, yeah. using up people. Yeah. It never occurs to them. Hey, maybe yeah, this, something's off here. Something's wrong. So how do we remedy that? What's the yeah. what's the solution? I I know, you know. I guess there needs to be someone like a rebuke from the outside because it's very rare for a narcissist to kind of come to this. O- awareness themselves. I don't know if that works. So yeah. I think the narcissist... Even the rebuke from outside, uh, yeah, you think? I, I think the narcissist will just plug on away. Yeah. Um, and, and here's why. I think I struggled with this trait in my second church that I served in. I, I think I was young. I, I wanted position. Mm. I wanted success. I was looking for, you know, what ministry would make my name great, therefore give me a promotion. And, and the only thing that resolved that and that changed that was God took me out. It, it was just as simple as that. It's a long story, but I went through about four months of, of not serving in pastoral ministry, not through disqualification, just, you know, the Lord decided, hey, you're 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 an Ezekiel 34 shepherd and you're not going to get to do this for a little while. Um, <laughs> and I think that's the only thing that breaks through the narcissist because the narcissist loves success. So the only way to really break the, the narcissistic behavior 
is for that success to be removed and a rebuke within that. As in, it's not, it can't just be a removed, oh, but you'll be successful over here. And the only person that can do that is God because the narcissist will always blame the church. It, it, he yeah. will always go, you know, it wasn't me, it was them. And and the verse that comes to my mind um, that, that we should want is Philippians 2.3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Now, how is that even possible? Well, the Apostle Paul just a few verses later says, see the example of Jesus. This is what he did. Yeah. The narcissist won't see the example of Jesus because to to him he's more important than than Jesus is. So the only yeah. I mean he wouldn't say that. No, no, he <laughs> yeah, won't yeah. say that out loud. But in his own he, life and mind. It, yeah, and, yeah, exactly. So I think the true change for narcissistic behavior is John three thirty that that Christ must increase in their life, and the only way that's going to happen truly is for God to to essentially overpower they the, have the to, narcissist. They have to experience a train wreck of some Abs- kind. Absolutely. and I, I If it's going to happen, it has to be through some kind of cataclysm in their it, own life. Exactly. And and mine mine was very much a, a, a kind of a breakdown of, of sorts that it, everything that could go wrong went wrong. And it was that sudden realization of, I am literally a pipsqueak in comparison to God. And, and you don't get there unless there's major failing. Now, here's my question with that. The ones that get there major failing, major issue, major train wreck, six months, year, two, three years later, just back doing the same thing. Mm. Why do some figure out in the train wreck, I'm getting this wrong, and others go, well, that yeah. was a blip. Well, Let's you know, try again. We don't want to be um, you know, overly informed here by you know, psychology mm. um, for various reasons. But one, um, one thing that like, if you believe narcissistic personality disorder is a thing, the psychologists say there's no cure for it, mm. that they've never seen anyone. Now we say, hey, we believe in the power of the gospel yeah. to, to humble people, not just to, to crush their hearts, but to give them the humility of Christ mm. through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we believe that any condition is, is curable, any, especially a psychological condition is curable. But there's a reason they've come to that conclusion, yeah. which is, they keep As you doing just it. said, there's some that like they can't get out of themselves, mm-hmm. even when there's a collapse. They'll use that for their own. Yeah, that becomes part of their story, and I think we see that in some of the guys who yep. crash and burn a ministry. Six months to a year later, they're back planting something else. Yep. They've learned all the lessons. They've learned everything. Yeah. Now you know I'm even better and stronger now yeah. than before. And uh, well, let me tell you the story that the Lord. I've even got a book about what happened to me yeah. back then. Those vipers who tried to get yeah. me, you know. They they turn even you know the 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 just desserts of their ministry life and their narcissism into somehow now itself mm-hmm. uh, a tale of their heroism and victimization and if they can use being a victim towards the end of becoming a hero yeah. they'll do that as as well but it's it's hard to get outside of that yeah. outside of the power of the gospel the the grace that mm-hmm. at, you know uh, yes emboldens us but properly humbles us, puts yeah. us in our proper yeah. perspective. And and I think for church members, if you're if you're looking for a pastor, so let let's let's say that we're trying to avoid having the narcissist as a pastor, I think you need to be looking for different things yeah. than than what we're necessarily looking for. So so even uh, this part of my new role here at Midwestern, I'm I'm helping a lot a lot of guys try and find positions within churches. It, it's just, you know, to put it bluntly, don't be impressed by a big name as a reference. You know, don't don't look at the numbers of how the church grew. Don't look at the resume being, you know, this looks really nice and neat. 
Don't look at the names of the churches, the size they served and the titles they had. See if the gospel is just overflowing even in how they write. Yeah. Do you know? Okay. I, I, and I think if you're looking for that, you will see the things that are not gospel oriented. You will see that, oh, you know, that seems a bit boastful here. And, you know, and it, and it just swings it completely against it. I put some things on Twitter a, a few months ago and I was just so surprised that there were so many people in terms of backlash off, you don't want success for pastors. Pastors should be able to say this and, and not feel beat up by it. And again, it's just one of those things of if if we as pastors and the church have a different mindset of Ezekiel 34, we want to be the opposite of what's being chastised here. We want to be the shepherds with their sleeves rolled up, in with the sheep, helping them, guiding them, loving them. Then, then have all the success that God will grant you and praise the Lord for that. And that success might not be numerical. It might just be, right. I got this person to the end of their life still loving Jesus. And I did that purely by the grace of God helping me each conversation along the way. Praise God for that. That is ministry success. It's, it's the kind of success that people don't see, though. They, they won't see it. They won't hear it. Yeah. They won't know it. I, I think I remember when we went through our pastor search at Liberty, we, we had a conversation. And one of the things she said is a lot of people just don't know what's happening behind the scenes. And it's just so true that people just are... That's the, that's the pastor that really, really is is loving and, and shepherding mm. in the right way because a lot of it goes unseen. If you're seeing a lot of your pastor's successes, arguably you're heading towards the narcissistic mm. behavior. All right. Something to look out for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By God's grace, yeah. we can avoid narcissism, not just in our churches, but in ourselves. Mm, that's um, true. And I'm thankful for friends like you that would tell you, hey, you're kind of getting a a big, you know, you're getting too big for your britches. I don't know. What's the saying over in, uh, in bi- Scotland? Uh, too big for your own boots. Too big for your own boots. Too big for your own yeah, boots. Over here, it's yeah. too big for your britches. Uh, you got a big head. Wind, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Northern head. Ireland would say, wind your neck in. Wind? Oh, I like that. Yeah. So over like, in Australia, it's the tall poppy, tall poppy okay. syndrome. The the tall poppy gets, you know, ahead of all the other ah. poppies and. What do you do? You got to cut, cut it down. You got to cut it down. So they take it upon yeah. themselves to make sure no one gets too yeah. you know, big. I feel like we should say, if, if you've listened to this podcast and you're really frustrated with things we've said, potentially narcissism is... is, is uh, <laughs> you're diagnosing over the... <laughs> we, are not li- we, we are not licensed to practice. That's why I say narcissists don't like being pointed at as narcissists. Mm, so That's good. Yeah, if you're listening thinking, they may be talking. Maybe If you know us and you're listening, you're like, they may be talking about me. We're probably not, but yeah. you're maybe a narcissist <laughs> <laughs> just by thinking that. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, whether you feel diagnosed with narcissism or not, leave us a good review. We're narcissists when it comes to reviews. Like, we want all the credit. We, you, you're the one that asks for it. <laughs> you want it to. You read all the reviews. You read them more than I do, I think. Uh, give us a good review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.